What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Amy Morris. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin this morning with the latest in the 2024 presidential race on this morning after the New Hampshire primary and another big night for Donald Trump. With 91 percent of the votes counted, the former president won the Granite State with 54.8 percent of the vote to Nikki Haley's 43.2 percent. But Haley is vowing to press on. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. Nikki Haley gave her concession speech shortly after the polls closed, but Trump didn't see it as a concession. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. Now, former President Donald Trump is now looking ahead to a general election, telling his supporters if they don't win in November, quote, I think the country is finished. But the next major contest in the Republican race is in Nikki Haley's home state of South Carolina. Bloomberg political contributor Rick Davis says things could get ugly. If she doesn't get out, she will face the most brutal assault on her campaign in South Carolina that you'll ever see. Hmm. All of MAGA will descend upon that state and they will brook nothing for her in this regard. So we've already seen how he plays and he plays hardball. Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis says Haley trails Trump in South Carolina by about 30 percentage points in the real clear politics average. As for the Democrats' New Hampshire primary, President Biden won that pretty easily, even though he wasn't even on the ballot. He fended off a challenge from Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips with a write-in campaign. With 89 percent of the vote counted, the president took 51.4 percent of the vote. Phillips is a distant second with 19.8 percent. Now let's get to the latest developments in the Middle East. Amy, U.S. forces have carried out airstrikes against an Iran-backed militia in Iraq. That's after the group attacked an airbase where U.S. troops are stationed. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal is reporting Hamas has told international mediators it's open to discussing a deal to release some of the kidnapped Israelis it's holding hostage in exchange for a significant pause in fighting. Bill Ackman and his wife have made their first major investment in Israel since the war with Hamas began. The couple is buying a 5% stake in the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange for about $17 million. Ackman's been a vocal critic against the rise in anti-Semitism since the war. And back here in the U.S., Amy, the CEO of Alaska Air says he is disappointed and angry with the standard of Boeing's quality control. The plane maker is facing deep scrutiny from regulators and customers after the mid-air blowout of a door panel on an Alaska Airlines flight. In an exclusive interview with NBC, Ben Minicucci said the company's found many more loose bolts since then. We found, you know, some uh, some loose bolts on uh, many of our Max 9s. It makes you mad. It makes you mad that we're finding issues like that on brand new airplanes. 
Alaska Air CEO Ben Minicucci's comments come after United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby said he's dropping Boeing's MAX 10 jet from the airline's internal plant. The carrier hasn't canceled its order, but says it's no longer counting on the largest 737 MAX model as part of its fleet. In a statement, Boeing says, quote, we are taking action on a comprehensive plan to bring these airplanes safely back to service. Turning to the markets now, futures are higher following another record close for U.S. stocks, also helping boost stocks around the world. China's latest move to stimulate its economy. The People's Bank of China said it would cut the reserve requirement ratio for banks. There's also getting a boost from Netflix after earnings. That stock is up about 10% in early trading. Streaming giant saw its fastest growth in subscriber numbers since the pandemic, signing up 13.1 million viewers in the last three months of 2023. Co-CEO Ted Sarandos is hoping to boost ad revenue further. Live event programming is something we've talked about for quite a while, and this has been in the works. So you should look at this as fits inside of our $17 billion programming spend now. I would not look at this as a, a signal of any other change or any change to our sports strategy. Now those comments from Ted Sarandos came after Netflix announced a 10-year deal to offer live programming from World Wrestling Entertainment starting next year. The platform's strong performance is in contrast to many competitors. They're operating shrinking cable networks and unprofitable streaming services. And on the flip side, shares of Texas Instruments are down more than 3% in early trading. The chipmaker gave a disappointing quarterly forecast, indicating that a slump in demand for industrial and automotive electronic components is dragging on. Elsewhere in the tech sector, Amy, eBay is cutting about 1,000 jobs. And we get more on that from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner eBay says staffing and expenses have outpaced growth and the company needs to be more nimble in the face of a challenging economic environment. More broadly, eBay says it's implementing organizational changes to align and consolidate certain teams to improve the end-to-end experience. Now, the job cuts equate to 9% of eBay's full-time workforce. The company also intends to reduce work for outside contractors. This is the second round of job cuts at eBay in a year. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Radio. All right. Thank you, Doug. German software company SAP says it's planning a restructuring that will affect about 8,000 jobs. It's planning to increase its focus on artificial intelligence. That stock up almost 7% this morning. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. And for that, we are joined by Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John. And good morning, Amy. Word this morning that a Russian transport plane has crashed near Ukraine. Russia's defense ministry says it carried 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war. It's not immediately clear what caused the crash. Also not known if anybody survived. Ukraine is marking the 700th day since the full-scale invasion by Kremlin forces started. White House officials say they are actively engaged in negotiating another ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. That story from Bloomberg's Nancy Lyons. The idea is to pause the fighting so there would be safe passage for the remaining hostages to return home. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. would support a longer ceasefire. That would give us the opportunity to get hostages out and get more aid in. Um, 
uh, we would absolutely support a humanitarian pause of, of a longer length than the, the week that we were able to accomplish. Absolutely, we would. Kirby says the White House Mideast and North Africa coordinator Brett McGurk is in the region right now, engaged in talks. In Washington, Nancy Lyons, Bloomberg Radio. President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris focused on reproductive rights at a rally in Manassas, Virginia yesterday. Here's President Biden during his remarks. As long as I have power of the presidency, know this. If Congress were to pass a national abortion ban, I will veto it. Democrats recently took control of the legislature in Virginia and have proposed to enshrine abortion protections in the state constitution. Apple reaching a make-or-break point in its decade-old effort to build a car has now pivoted to a less ambitious design. After previously envisioning a truly driverless car, the company is now working on an EV with more limited features. With the latest changes, the company looks to introduce the car in 2028 at the earliest. And Donald Trump's expected testimony in E. Jean Carroll's defamation trial against him has been delayed for a third time. This comes after a juror fell ill and the former president's legal team reported COVID exposures at a recent dinner. U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan issued a brief order saying the trial won't take place in Manhattan today as planned. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it. With Bloomberg News Now, I'm John Tucker and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right, thank you, John. And we bring you news throughout the day here on Bloomberg Radio. But now you can get the latest news on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update, and for that, we bring in John Stashauer. Amy, the day began with the Milwaukee Bucks with a record of 30-13, and 13, tied for the second best in the NBA. And then the Bucks shockingly fired their coach, Adrian Griffin, who was in his first year on the job. Assistant Joe Prunty taking over on an interim basis. But Turner Sports reported last night that the new coach of the Bucks will be Doc Rivers. It'll be the fifth different team that Rivers has coached in the NBA. Knicks came from 10 down and beat the Nets. Knicks are 10-2 and two since they made that big trade with Toronto. Nets have lost 11 of the last 13. Denver got 31 points, a triple-double from Nikola Jokic and a win at Indiana. New Orleans shot 58%, outscored Utah 153-124. to 124. The Lakers played without LeBron James, fell back under 500, losing in L.A. to the Clippers. Capitals lost at Minnesota 5-3. Daniil Medvedev won a five-set match over Poland's Hubert Herkus. Medvedev into the semifinals at the Australian Open. As expected, Adrian Beltre cruised into the Baseball Hall of Fame in his first year on the ballot. A 21-year career with five teams, mostly with Texas. Great hitter and a terrific fielding third baseman. Joe, ba- Joe Maurer also makes it in his first year on the ballot. A three-time batting champion spent his entire career with Minnesota. Todd Helton had a 316 career average. His entire career spent with Colorado. Helton made it as well. The Las Vegas Raiders have named Tom Telesco their new general manager. He had just been recently fired by the Chargers. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. 
Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Donald Trump is a step closer to clinching the Republican presidential nomination after a decisive win in the first in the nation New Hampshire primary. And now the former president is looking past Nikki Haley to the general election. We have no choice. If we don't win, I think our country is finished. I do. I believe our country is finished. The former president gave his victory speech last night, but Nikki Haley is vowing to press on to her home state of South Carolina, where the contest could get even tougher. But let's check in first with New Hampshire. Joining us once again from Manchester is Bloomberg News politics reporter Laura Davison. Laura, they called this race pretty early. Did the vote just pretty much break Trump's way all the way? Yeah, they called it, you know, basically as soon as they could, as after all the uh, polls in the state closed. Um, and in looking at the data um, that came in, you know, Trump just led uh, by a margin that was big enough that they felt comfortable calling it. And as the results continued to roll in all night, um, that held. Nikki Haley needed to either win or come really, really close. You know, someone compared it to she needed to be uh, within three points within a field goal um, of uh, of Donald Trump. And that just never happened. She was, you know, uh, behind him, you know, they're still finalizing some of the data, but, um, she was, you know, it's a, uh, you know, somewhere between uh, eight, 9% trailing Donald Trump. And it's just not what she needed to be able to prove to voters in South Carolina and beyond that she has what it takes to be able to beat the former president. What happened to that moderate and independent vote that some analysts were saying might break Nikki Haley's way last night? got a lot of that, but not enough to count. Um, the thing that is tricky about that moderate and independent vote in New Hampshire is that they're they're notoriously hard to poll. Um, you know, you, if you're an independent in New Hampshire, you can go in and decide whether you want to vote in a Republican um, or a Democratic race. Um, you know, we did see way, way more interest in the Republican race last night. That is where the action was. But there was also um, a little bit of drama on the Democratic side and that you didn't have Joe Biden um, on the ballot and said uh, you had um, Dean Phillips, who was sort of a Biden challenger. Um, so that didn't help her um, in having some uh, moderates and Democrats who were either maybe interested in Dean Phillips or, you know, wanted to make sure that that Joe Biden was, in fact, the, the Democratic nominee. In terms of the turnout, what was the level of turnout? What does that tell us about how the race could go from here as we move on to uh, other primaries starting next month? So there was um, a decent turnout, pretty big turnout last night. Um, the issue going forward is that uh, the race gets uh, less interesting uh, from here. So we're hmm. probably likely to see um, turnout really dip going into South Carolina, you know, unless the fundamentals of this race change. Um, there's a whole month until uh, South Carolina votes. Um, but, but right now, Nikki Haley is still in the race. She's vowing to stay in. She um, has the money and, and the backing to do so, uh, but not necessarily the, the political uh, uh, votes there. You know, going into South Carolina, she's 30 points behind Trump, even this is her home state. Um, so that's not a, a good sign for her uh, that she doesn't, you know, that she isn't more competitive in a state where she theoretically could be. 
And that is the message that uh, the former governor projected in her concession speech, which she gave before uh, former President Trump's victory speech. But what's the messaging behind the scenes? Is it matching what Haley's telling her supporters on the stump? Yeah, this is really an a, an interesting place. Um, most candidates wouldn't be able to do what Nikki Haley um, has done here, um, but because she has raised so much money, she had so much interest from Wall Street. She has um, the coke aligned Americans for Prosperity behind her, as well as another well funded super PAC. Um, she can continue to fight, even though uh, you know she didn't have uh, the showing that she wanted. You know, we saw Ron Santos didn't perform as well in Iowa and was out of the race a couple days later. Uh, you know, Haley, uh, you know, has the ability to stay in. The question is, will she? You know, what are her future political goals? Does she want to sort of go on this quixotic journey or, you know, in a week or two, will she decide, hey, this isn't worth it. I either want to try to run again in 2028 or maybe uh, try to make nice with Trump. Um, you know, uh, the, the Trump uh, last night took a lot of jabs at her, really indicating that he is not happy with her and that there is uh, a lot of bad blood there. And I guess there is a question as well about whether that donor base is going to stay with Nikki Haley if it seems like they're getting diminishing returns on their investment. What are you hearing when it comes to the donor class about whether they can continue supporting Nikki Haley's run? Yeah, so the one thing, she has a lot of money in the bank already, so she can continue uh, to take that donor money and, and continue to funnel it into her campaign. But raising new money at this point is going to be very difficult. Um, she does have um, uh, the Americans for Prosperity, that, that Coke um, political network that is behind her. And they said last night they're going to continue to spend money uh, uh, into South Carolina, you know, on advertising and, and going ahead and talking to voters, um, you know, door knocking efforts. Uh, but it, it's going to be a difficult sell uh, to bring in new donors as well as, you know, for some of these bigger super PACs that, that are that are well funded uh, to say, you know, why should they be spending tens of billions of dollars when there is a big election coming up uh, with all sorts of races um, that, the, that these groups are also going to be uh, uh, endorsing and funding. I wanted to talk to you about the uh, Democratic race as well. President Biden was forced to run a write-in campaign, but ran away with it pretty handily. Uh, does that put the uh, prospect of a primary challenge or even a third-party bid from uh, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips to bed? Um, you know, Phillips can do uh, a lot of what he uh, wants to do here, but, you know, for him to get um, interest and really take fire. It was clear that um, he didn't do that in New Hampshire, and it's going to be even harder for him to do that um, going forward. Laura Davison, back with us from uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, part of our team of political correspondents covering the uh, Republican and Democratic uh, primaries in this 2024 race. Laura, thanks again for being with us as always. But now uh, we want to turn to the major market moving story of the morning. That would be earnings from Netflix. The streaming giant blew past Wall Street expectations for subscriber growth for its best quarter since the early days of the pandemic when many of us we're locked down watching Netflix. So let's get more on these results. We're joined by Bloomberg's Alex Webb, who's all read in on the tech sector. Is this all about uh, that lower priced ad tier and uh, crackdown on passwords that's behind these blowout numbers, Alex? I think that's that's certainly two of the three pillars, right? We So the market was looking for close to 9 million new subs. Um, Netflix posted 13 million. That's not, you know, Good sort of fifty percent beat. Um, the crackdown on, pa- on passwords is certainly a big factor. They have now got twenty three million advertising um, subscribers, which is you know a bit less than ten percent, but still making a difference around the edges. 
but don't underestimate the importance of good quality content. They've had a few, you know, decent sized hits, shows such as Leave the World Behind and documentary series about um, the, the, and I will say football player, the footballer David Beckham. Um, all of <laughs> Soccer for our US audience, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, and, you know, so therefore content is, is very much the third pillar of that success. Yeah. Um, so I guess the question is sustainability. I mean, we, uh, well, before we get to that, um, let's talk about the new content that's going to be coming next year. Live entertainment in the form of wrestling. Uh, interesting to see that move when we've got a lot of other streaming services offering uh, Major League Soccer, uh, baseball, football. What kind of a move does uh, bringing world wrestling entertainment into the fold make for Netflix in that competition? It is a fascinating play because, of course, it's not quite sports. You know, I don't want to doubt for a second the athleticism of the of the uh, participants, but a lot of it is scripted, and uh, it's they've made a few sort of tentative plays in in the live event space, not with mixed success. This is seems to be partly about supporting the advertising business, right? Because um, one of the few places that adds continue to be quite a uh, quite successful is in live events right you have a captive audience you know they're there that's why even as audiences drop off for things like the super bowl you still see ad prices continue to increase um so having that supports that business it, it, it's you know a way of potentially bringing in of course a new audience to netflix the hope being you get them through the front door to watch this and then they might see some of the other content you have and stick around so there are a lot of ways why this might make sense it's clearly a substantial amount of money they're going to be paying it's five billion dollars over the course of 10 years um the the clearly the proof of the pudding will be if they then expand it to other sports and go into sports proper because they think this thing is successful so does that suggest alex that advertising the uh, the ad revenue is going to be the main growth driver for netflix and that's going to be the focus for them as opposed to growing subscribers just in and of itself no i don't think so you know they're going to be pushing on all fronts right they they were saying in the earnings calls yesterday that um, they still see hundreds of millions of households around the world that haven't subscribed to Netflix. Um, advertising may be one way of getting them on board, particularly in some of the more price-sensitive markets. I'm thinking about places such as India, where there's a huge potential, but not necessarily as much willingness to pay you know, north of, of $10 or equivalent north of $10 for a sub. Um, so that's a place where advertising stuff might help. There are other, plenty of other markets all around the world where you could make the case that Netflix remains underpenetrated. The time we have left, I got to get your take on Tesla earnings coming up after the bell today. A lot of expectation about how Tesla is reacting this time of higher interest rates and a more squeezed consumer. Yeah, it's fascinating what's been going on at Tesla because, of course, they had such an early lead in the electric vehicle space, but others are now starting to wake up. And, of course, they lost the crown of being the world's biggest maker of EVs to the Chinese company BYD. BYD, of course, massively successful, not least in its home market, where Tesla isn't quite as big. Um, they, Tesla's been discounting significantly in order to get its, its, its demand up. The fascinating Insight today will be if there's anything on their outlook for the rest of the year. They delivered 1.8 million cars last year. The market's looking for about 2.1, 2.2 million this coming year. Any color on that will be a number that is, is very closely watched by investors. 
This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed by 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa. Play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Amy Morris. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.